0: Welcome to Safe Toddles podcast. We're talking about pediatric bell canes and safe mobility for all who are blind and mobility visually impaired. And today we're going to be introducing ourselves. I'm Grace Ambrosakin, and I'm sitting here with Kelvin Crosby. Hi, Kelvin.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm terrific. Good, good. So, this is exciting to begin our first podcast together. I know you're a veteran of podcasts.
1: Yes, I love it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a wonderful medium. And I'm so excited that we're going to share our experiences with um, young kids needing safe mobility, needing to wear bell canes, and also how we have come to this as a profession in our lives. Right. So you're yep. gonna talk about you today and I'm gonna introduce myself today. Is that right?
1: Yep. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background, um what where 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 do we come from and so forth?
0: <laughs> I was born in <laughs> no maybe not that far back.
1: <laughs> you were born so far away. Over over the river, down the stream, over to the left. <laughs>
0: Um, I did uh, grow up in a family that did a lot of travel and so we always went on adventures and I think that's what attracted me to the field of orientation and mobility because it's a field that is unlike any other. We're very interested in independence, we're interested in navigating, route planning, uh, getting to where you need to go. So that. Started for me when I began teaching in Louisiana as an itinerant teacher. Louisiana is a very warm state, <laughs> uh, but it was great. It was a very great introduction. And the one thing that I learned was I really needed to learn more. So my first opportunity was to go to the University of Texas at Austin, and I got my master's in the field of Orientation and Mobility and Teacher of the Blind and Visually Impaired. In fact, I kind of got O&M only because they were offering grant support. Uh. In fact, I had gone there to meet with Professor Ann Korn, who is a legend in the field of blindness and visual impairment. I wanted to study under her as a Teacher of the Blind and Visually Impaired. And she said, well, if you'd like to add Orientation and Mobility, go down the hall and see Dr. Brad Walker. And uh, I said, orientation mobility, hmm, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) But on the way down, the few uh, feet away, I had made up my mind that it was the field that I always wanted to study. And that's what I told him, that this was my dream to be an orientation mobility specialist. So he uh, allowed me to join his grant and I got some support. And that really was, it turned out to be the right thing (laughs) (laughs) because I really do love orientation mobility. It's a passion that many share in this field that we just love to talk about it. We love to teach it and we love to see the success it brings to people. So from then I've spent my whole life um, teaching and practicing orientation and mobility. Something you're familiar with. Is that right, Calvin?
1: Yes. Well, my my story is very different. I basically was born hard of hearing, and my parents didn't know that I was hard of hearing until about one and a half years old. And then I didn't start learning how to talk until I was about two. And then just trying to use hearing aids to be able to communicate because my parents decided that I wasn't going to be a deaf child, um, that they wanted me to be a hearing child with hearing aids. Well, that had its own set of challenges. So, as I continued to grow up, I realized that I was hard of hearing. I struggled and had those navigation issues at being hard of hearing. Well, then a curveball came into my life at age 13, and my night vision had disappeared. And this really affected who I was and my ability to travel at night. And we learned at that. At that age, at age 13, that I had Usher syndrome type 2, which affects my hearing and my wow. vision. And because of the the Usher syndrome, uh, kind of what kind of happens is about age 13 is when you start losing your night vision. And then everything else p- after that, it really depends on a lot of circumstances. And there's not really good data, like how fast you're going to lose your vision or not. Um, but me... I got the luck of the draw, and I got to lose my vision sooner in life. And at age 19, um, I, I became legally blind and lost my driver's license, lost a lot of things my independence and my ability to have the freedom that I wanted. And it sent me in a little bit of a spiral. I had some challenges because I was currently going to Bible school in the Queen National Park. And that, was it was it was a it was a blessing in disguise because it allowed me to to teach myself orientation mobility because i was able to get a hold of a blind cane and then started teaching how to navigate the mountains how to hike in the mountains how to uh read uh, determine black ice and okay. ice and all the different things that you would need to know but i was able to do it in an environment that i knew and teach myself how to do it and so didn't have any orientation and mobility training. Oh, my. Um, and gained, got my independence. And so I always say I, it, I went up in the mountains, one man. I came down the mountain a different man because I went up there with vision. And I would, I went up there with my car. But while I was up there is when I became legally blind. And so I had my mountain experience. <laughs> Wow! And so, just to kind of fast forward, but at age twenty-eight, I lost the clarity in my left eye, and then at age uh, thirty-two, I lost the clarity in my right. So right now, I am thirty-three years old. I think that's correct. Yeah, (laughs) yes, I am thirty-three years old. (laughs) And so now I can't. I can see the shapes. Um that are around me, and I can kind of make out um certain colors, but they need to be pretty distinct colors for me to be able to kind of determine that um but it, when I get on get in any lighting situations, it completely blurry um i can't really tell much it's like a it's like a really foggy day all the time
0: mm.
1: so, yeah so th- that's the journey of my life um i well I know you're
0: writing a book about that, but i yes. I imagine it. It must have. I mean, I've always i've I've heard of ushers, and I've always imagined that's got to be a tough one to live through and grow through. Um, it's interesting your perspective that you were glad that it kind of happened sooner. Mm-hmm. Is that that's how you feel now? I imagine, yeah. but does not how you always felt. I would imagine.
1: Well, it definitely wasn't, but at the same time, it allowed me to. Mo- so, I always say I've had four mornings. Because every time you lose a better level of vision, you have to mourn the pain. Yeah. And then, but you can either do two things: you can sit here and do nothing about it, or you can prepare for that mourning because you know it's coming. You can't, it, you can't stop it. Right. So, like for me, every stage of my life, I've always prepared. Like when I went from. Well, the the Jurassic the one was when I was 13 to 19. I didn't prepare at all. But from 19 to 28, I had started preparing. And so, meaning I started learning the computer, using magnification, started using invert colors, started using all these different tools to navigate the kitchen, started training myself to be completely blind. And I did that all on my own. Then nice. I knew if I wanted independence and freedom... I was going to have to do something about it. And I needed, but I also knew that I had more stages of vision to lose. Like, it, my vision wasn't going to go away overnight. Right. But if I was prepared for my, I call it the world environment, to handle it, but I just needed to only prepare my emotional and my, I call it my soul. <laughs> Uh, part of it um, And then I can handle that when it comes But I can still live my life And As I progress over time I basically Taught myself Magnification uh, software Then I taught myself complete screen readers I taught myself how to build websites How to build apps How to do CAD software Make my own designs All that stuff Using the screen reader and I eventually overcame that, and I'm now in a situation in my life where I've in every level. There's nothing. There's not much more for me to lose, but I've gotten all the tools that I ever needed.
0: Nice. So, and you're now making tools. Yes. Is that right? <laughs> uh, can yes. you tell us a little bit about the Smart Guider Inc.
1: Yeah, that you've so, got going? So, Smart Guider Inc. is a um, a navigation technology company helping visually impaired individuals and deaf individuals. And our first product was a robotic blind cane. As we all know, autonomous navigation is a daunting task, but I also saw another problem that one of every three visually impaired people were getting hit by a car in their lifetime. And I personally have been hit by a car three times in my life. <coughs> and And then I kept hearing more stories of friends and people that I knew getting hit by cars or getting put in a hospital, losing their jobs, losing their independence. So I had one person die. Um, And I kept hearing more and more stories. I'm like, I got to solve this problem. Like, what what can I do now that doesn't require so much technology to solve this problem? Well, I decided to create a lighted blind cane, which is called the See Me Cane which is the lighted blind candy that allows you to see me traveling anywhere I want to go fully independently and safely.
0: Nice. And
1: to this way we can travel safely. It doesn't fix the problem that people are people because we're relying on drivers to see us, but we can't solve that driver seeing us, but we, we can provide the tool to help you be able to see me crossing the street. So that way, you don't either hit my cane or you hit me and put me out of commission. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, that's what Smart Guiding Inc. is all about.
0: So, what and did you find was that the time of day correlated to the accidents, that it was more likely to get hit by a car at night?
1: Yeah. So you were more likely to get hit by a car at night. But at the same time, two of my friends, they were hit in the plane of day. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it 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 it's a it's a rough one. Like yeah, we're we're providing you a solution for low light situations. Yeah, um, we're looking at a couple of other solutions that can help you in the daylight. Um, and so we'll we'll see kind of where where the blind community wants to kind of go with this. But we're, we're what we're finding is, There's more and more people like I just need something for people to see me better.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. I love it. I love it because, A, you're solving a problem, a real problem, in a way that makes a heck of a lot of sense to me. And I think most people can identify, hey, shine some light on this thing. Let's let's make it easier to see you, and that will make it better. Uh, And and it just makes a, a lot of common sense. I'm also, because... As an orientation mobility specialist, I feel like we have been limited in our tools.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Ever since the white cane was invented, they've been looking for a sonar or a radar or something other than a white cane. And um, I think that that's taken us in the wrong direction. We need more tools like what you're doing. And what we're doing at Safe Toddles is we're creating tools for very young children. Mm -hmm. Because if you're born blind and say you want to start walking, you're going to eventually be a long cane or rod cane user, right? So what are you supposed to do in the meantime? And for many, the thought has been, well, it's all right. They could just walk around without any safety. <laughs> they don't really, you know, we don't have it, so they don't need it. Yep. But that's not really the case. As we found out with seatbelts, if you don't wear it, you're more at risk inside of a car than if you wear it. And with a white cane, if you don't use it and you're blind, you more at risk when you move around independently if you don't use it than when you do. And the whole problem that we're trying to solve is create a developmentally appropriate cane for toddlers and preschool learners who are blind and mobility visually impaired. So that's what we're doing at Safe Toddles. It's been working out really well for the little kids. Almost immediately when they put it on, they start to relax and move around and many of them start running. They're so happy to have the information that the cane provides them.
1: And and this is, that's what's so exciting about the Safe Toddles and the belt cane and and I I just am, I'm excited to see where this podcast takes us because we're going to, we're going to hear stories and hear individuals that are literally living and breathing the belt cane and I, hearing from parents and teachers that totally, it transformed their lives. So,
0: yes, that's the goal of this podcast mm-hmm. to talk to the people who are using it, to talk about the problems that people experience um, and to try to help them find solutions. In addition, once they're wearing it, we can even talk about how to work with the child now, because one of the interesting things is for example, When a two-year-old little girl who is blind has her bell cane on, she doesn't want to hold your hand anymore. And now you're at the (laughs) Bronx Zoo or wherever, and you're like, wait, how do I keep her with the family? This is a wonderful, new, exciting genre of orientation mobility instruction that we'll be discussing in this podcast as well. And hopefully getting regular updates about your activities with the Smart Guider Inc.
1: Yes, and it's going to be fun. I, I'm excited. So I, I think this kind of wraps us up for today. Yes. And we'll kind of, we'll pick it up next week. So
0: Wonderful. Thanks, Calvin. All
1: right. Thank you. You have been listening to Safe Toddles Podcast. You can go to our website at safetoddles.org. You want to find us on Facebook? Go to Safe Toddles. You can find our Facebook page there. Thank you for listening to the Safe Toddles Podcast